Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. It is a Monday. That means Jim Traber will join us here at 930. If there was ever the perfect opening day for NFL football for one individual, was yesterday it for Jim All the things happened. Baker Mayfield lost. The Dallas Cowboys lost. And the Pittsburgh Steelers won. We'll ask him if it's his favorite opening day of all time in the NFL. Uh, Pick his brain about all kinds of other stuff. We'll hit the college football weekend a little bit here in the middle segment. Uh, The in-state schools' offenses struggled early. Defense was pretty good. Offenses did better in the second half to win. Texas, got to give them some love. Not only did they look like they belonged on the field without Alabama, you can make the case they should have won that game. Tons of upsets on Saturday, which led to Scott Frost being fired up at Nebraska, so a different look for the Huskers with OU coming to town on Saturday. All kinds of other stuff in college football that we're just flat out not going to get to today, but we'll have all week to talk about uh, with uh, the college football weekend. Then high school football, man, what a night. Friday night right here in Elk City. We'll recap that. Look around the area as well, the two districts that are right here close, and also Hollis with a huge win at home against number 5, Velma Alma. I know how that happened as well, talking to their superintendent on Saturday. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line, 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We'll talk about any of those things or whatever else could be on your mind. Feel free to chime on in at 225-9698. Nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area, stay in touch with us, kadsam.com or the app. If you go download that app. It's free. It's got it all. Radio. It's got the Penny News. It's got Big Elk TV and Paragon TV. And then, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you missed that one entirely, you can go back and check it out. kadsam.com or iTunes. Hello, Jared. How are you? Uh, good. How was your weekend? It was good. It was quick. Unlike last weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it is Monday. It is right? Monday, right? Yeah, I think I, right when I pulled it, away, we got five days of work this yeah. week. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's good. It was a good weekend. How was yours? It was really good. Uh, it was a fun day on Saturday playing golf. Yesterday watched some baseball and uh, as much NFL as I could. And now here we are. As uh, it's time for a, a, another week. Let's look back at last week. Let's look back at Friday night. Yeah, uh, we talked ad nauseum last week about this. Uh, Canadian Texas coming to Elk City give you more of an idea. Uh, the first real challenge for the Elks, uh, a team that uh, had won the first two games pretty easily. Competition, you didn't know where that was at, but you knew Canadian was going to bring something. And I, I, I tell you, it lived up to every single thing that you could have hoped for. Canadian was as well coached in that 
man, they went at absolute warp speed. It was like R2 figured out the hyperdrive, and they were just going <laughs> up and down the field. And and it was interesting to me that while they were in the middle of the field, the the execution was flawless to, for, to be going that fast. Right. When they got inside the 20, kind of slowed things down more, and, and I don't know if that contributed, but they did have some, some false start penalties, which actually – probably were the were a huge part of why that game ended up the way it did um the Oaks defense took advantage of some of those mistakes that Canadian made holding them to a field goal at the end of the first quarter and then a couple of stops down on the goal line which were aided by you know just those extra five yards and Canadian couldn't seem to to put the Elks away and, and give Elk City all the credit in the world for continuing to fight continuing to play hard and eventually um, seemingly kind of wearing Canadian down on, on the defensive line. The Elks started running it in bigger chunks in the second half. Uh, but, man, what an unbelievable game. Ended up going to overtime. Uh, I thought Austin Jones, we mentioned it during the during the broadcast, every time the Elks needed you know, three yards, he got four. And needed a yard, he'd spin away and get two. And, and then fourth and sixth at the nine with, what, three and a half minutes to play in the game, and he runs the option and yeah. just to perfection. Yeah. Not only gets the first down, but scores the touchdown, uh, throws the, the pass to, to Aiden Hopper for the two-point conversion, and, and then the barbarian there, the barbarian uh, set on the two-point conversion uh, that went to the right. I think Canadian thought it was going left, went to the right, and there was just one poor soul out there trying to keep – Levy Owens out of the end zone from the one-yard line, and there aren't very many people in the state of Oklahoma could mm-hmm. do that. So uh, just a, an incredible game, a great win, resilient win for Elk City, and uh, they're 3-0. and Yeah, someone asked me yesterday, is Elk that good? And and, and I said, well, you know, it, it's each game they're getting better and better, and that was a better opponent, obviously, in Canadian Texas. Great, great uh, uh, resolve from the Big Elks, you know, getting down early, staying around, making some adjustments, and and I think we both saw it, and you mentioned it, wearing them out up front, trying to tell them you could punch us, but we're going to punch you back, and that's what the Big Elks did. And I started thinking about that question, and I kept, you know, they the question specifically was, are they better than last year? And that's a that's a tall order because last year's team obviously going all the way to semis. I said I told him, I don't know yet. We don't know yet. But I started thinking, you know, what last year did, and even a couple years, you know, before as it slowly progressed, you know, under the under Meadows watch the last couple of years, and now Maynard, that a culture has been established, and that culture was is big. A culture is big in the programs, and do they have all the talent like they did last year? Maybe not. But do they have that that fight in them, and that that what a culture establishes? And we mentioned this at the end of the game last year at, uh, at up in Weatherford was what those seniors left behind is gonna is gonna pay off in the long run. And that I think we're seeing some of that right now. Those guys don't know how to lose. They don't want to lose, and they're probably tired of hearing of uh, of the rebuild word or you know. There's like forget that we're going to reload and we're going to go for it again and i'm i'm thoroughly impressed up and down both sides of the football how they came out on friday night and again getting down early a lot of people could have packed it up said ah let's get ready for the homecoming dance this is a non-district game who cares but they didn't and and that was a great scene at the end of the game student section running on the field coaches going crazy i loved it it was fun i can't wait for friday night because now i think there's a 
fighter's chance to take down one of the top teams in 5A traditionally. Yeah, Carl uh, Albert coming next uh, up there for the final non-district game. Four of them this year, which I can't ever remember happening before. I was <laughs> thinking about that too. The, that is has to be a first. The district thing being being all weird, but uh, yeah, it was it was an awesome night. And you know where I had that question of where does this stack up in non-district wins? Oh, gosh, I mean, <clears throat> just what I can remember. You know that going to Millwood and beating Rashawn Woods, Donovan Woods, uh, Elbert Craig, the, the state championship senior year. I mean, that was it, the game wasn't as good, um, but you know the the quality the of the win team, and you know, as, as on as the road type. Yeah, deal. yeah. Um, as far as just exciting, crazy games, I think back to, gosh, what would it have been? Twenty fifteen, maybe twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Out at Pampa, that was a triple overtime game, fifty to forty nine. That the Elks uh, were able to win. No, that was a lot like the other night. Um, but that game, the thing about that game that stood out to me on Friday night was it was really well played by both sides. There weren't a bunch of mistakes no. going on. There, you know, it wasn't sloppy football. It was just really a, a really well played football game uh, that that had all, all everything you could possibly. Uh, want to to have in it so uh, yeah kudos kudos to the Elks for continue to fight and you know, canadians pretty you're not going to see offense like that from very many teams in high school football that precision and and the way that they were able to operate at that speed to get those that many plays off those big guys up front were in phenomenal shape because guess what it was the same big guys that were up front on defense mm-hmm. i mean it was just it was pretty impressive uh to, to watch that happen Around the district in 4A1, Clinton bounces back. Almost the exact opposite game of what happened against Bishop McGinnis where Clinton was putting the ball on the ground and and the score got away from him. The other night, Clinton's defense was the one forcing all the turnovers against Heritage Hall, and they went 28-7. Big bounce-back win for the Red Tornadoes. Yeah, I uh, re-watched that one Friday night getting home and – Still a little sloppy. They put it on the floor a few times and a lot of penalties that were frustrating if you're a Clinton fan. But uh, from what I understand, I didn't realize this. The McGinnis game, they they had a young man that was not playing, and then he played um, – I forget the first name, last name is Barker. And if you're from Clinton, you know a Barker, they're going to be fast. The kid is fast. They would get it out to him in space and let him go. He made a lot of things happen. And or, uh, Clinton took the ball away a couple times too. One uh, key interception there that really sealed it up. Uh, there at the end uh, that's a nice bounce back win on the road uh, against the top five top three and some 3a team in heritage hall and everybody knows heritage hall and i think that's the first time they beat them in eight tries so um you know if there's a lot of worry in clinton i think that might have uh laid put that to bed a little bit showing that okay there's you know it's clinton they're still speedy they're still figuring some things out and you know Coach Igby will uh, get them on the right track. I think they're off this week, and there will probably be a lot of Clinton fans of Carl Albert on Friday night checking us out. Yeah, that's the thing about it is everybody now looks forward, no matter what happens on Friday, all eyes are on September 30th. Uh, just with, If you look at yeah. the, the results we're about to talk about, it feels like that's going to be for sure the first game that's really, really, really going to matter in 4A1, and it might be the game uh, that matters in 4A1 when Clinton comes over here on the 30th uh, Elgin shut out cash 27 nothing about the time you see cash whip up on Altus similar to the way that Elk City did you think hmm is cash back you know they backed you know his last last year's two and eight just a, a an anomaly 
Uh, hard to tell with Elgin uh, putting it on cash, 27 nothing. Marlowe did the same to Chickasha, 45-14. Weatherford got their first win of the year uh, in a close one, 20-19 over El Reno. And then Woodward uh, got it put to them by Bethany. I'm sure Bethany had just a little bit of revenge on their mind after, after uh, Woodward slipped up and got them in the non-district last year. Bethany goes to Woodward and beats them 42-14. to Yeah, um, games I was looking at, Weatherford and El Reno, you know, what does that mean? I don't know, maybe one team on the way up, another team on the way down. Uh, so kudos to the to the Eagles getting their first win. How about Tuttle and Noble? That thing was a shootout. Yeah, sixty one forty one. What is that? I mean, again, what does that tell us? Tuttle can play offense, but can't play defense. I I don't know. It Noble's a good team uh, in five A as well. So, but I had a lot of people were leaning Noble on that one, and I I was not. I thought no way Tuttle's going to win that one. But they put up a lot of points, and typically Tuttle is more of a on the ground grind it out pounded at you and not score a lot of points but hold you to to uh, uh very little so maybe they've figured out a way to score a lot of points but their defense might need a little work so a couple things that stood out to me in uh district a our class a district one fairview continues to just pound people 60 to 28 against alva burns fat deal city put it on cordell 64 to nothing here was a surprise score to me a little bit hooker 50 watonga nothing that one Kind of caught my eye, like, whoa, wow. wait a minute. Coach Powers up there. Uh, yeah, Walter, wow. Walters clipped Sayre, 28-20. Pawnee got the better of Moreland. Moreland's 0-3, and they've lost every game by a touchdown or, or fewer. Texoma, 21-12, winners over Carnegie. And then Thomas continued to struggle as Cashin got them 35-14. In Class B, one of the biggest games across the state. Ceiling did it. They beat Laverne 40-38. to Shattuck got Cherokee 46-20. And then uh, some love for uh, the Hollis Tigers, Second game on ParagonTV.com on Friday night. Hollis, with 30 seconds left, scores their one and only touchdown, gets the two-point conversion, and they beat number five, Velma Alma, 8-6. to six. So the Tigers of Hollis, 2-0 and on the year, and they come to Mountain View Godibo on Friday night. So that'll be a fun Class B, uh, Class C matchup there uh, from uh, from Mountain View. So Hollis is 2-0 and after an upset of number five, Velma Alma. Other things that caught my eye, uh, we talked. It's it's that game that everybody looks forward to every year. Union just absolutely blasted Jinx, thirty-eight to three. So it does appear Union, at least right now, is the only thing stepping or in front of Bixby continuing to roll up state titles. That's I had a feeling about Union in that one. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting if they. Uh, when they when they cross paths, I bet they coming. play again, and I bet it's a whole heck of a lot closer next time. You think so? Oh, absolutely. We've seen usually that, that's how it we've works seen out. that in the past too. Yeah. No matter how good the first game was or wasn't, uh, the playoff game when those two teams play is always either it's, it's a flip from what happened in the regular season, or at least it's a lot closer. Yeah. Of a game, uh, but uh, yeah, it does look like Union is there. Good but, coaches find a way to take that film break it down see what worked what didn't work same thing i mean uh, you talk about playoff rematches i think just see if laverne and ceiling right we'll see that again was that a little maybe a i'd have to look at the cross bracketing all that stuff could could that be a deep playoff preview quarterfinal semifinal something like that and if that happens in weatherford that might be a game hopefully it'll be like on a saturday afternoon or something where we could go that'd be fun it will be lots of good stuff High school football. We'll look forward to come, the, what's coming up this week, either tomorrow or Wednesday. 
Yeah, we got time. We have five days this week. Yeah, we, we don't have to <laughs> get it all in in four. Taking a look at your Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings. TJ, how do we how do we think you say that? Yeah, I just call him TJ. TJ, eight and two both day both uh, weeks so far. Sixteen and four. That is top the leaderboard. And guess who's right there again? The defending champion, Andy Peffer. 15 and 5. And then a game back. Mr. Western Oklahoma Realty himself, Tyler Harrison. It's rigged. It's got to be him. Hottie, who else would be Hottie Toddy than Tyler? Oh, and then look who's tied with Tyler. If it isn't me. <laughs> 14 and 6. It's pretty good. I'd take 7 and 3. Each week, if you're really doing this, uh, there's Dakota. I see him. Reese Cunningham there. You, did, have you noticed this name? Uh, another one tied at 12 and 8. What a fantastic name. Joe Buck Yourself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, that's very, wow, very good. Wow, someone's not a Joe Buck fan? Or, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I like it. Uh, wow. So, we got our man, uh, Coach Christian. Also there. So, a lot of fun. Thank you to uh, – you can still get in. Yeah, why not? You can still get in. Jay Mack went 9-1 first week. Forgot to make picks this week. So, you easily catch him. Man, what happened there? I don't know. A couple other people you did set that. Set a reminder on your phone, Jay Mack, something. Uh, his brother-in-law. They must have had a They must have had a disturbance in the, vo in the force. Because <laughs> Coach Ham forgot to make his picks too. Now, he had some other stuff going on in his life, so I get it. But they, the point is – that's all it takes, opening up the door. missing. They've missed exactly as many weeks as a lot of people had going into this week already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so you can still get involved. ESPN's website, Skinny on Sports Facebook page has a link right to it. Get, get in there, and it'll be a Cinderella story <laughs> if you come back and win. Did Skinny take the Dallas Cowboys this week? Absolutely not, and I will not take them. Oh, I didn't either, but I couldn't pick him in the college pick him. Yeah, weird. I will not take him. I will not take uh, the Dallas Cowboys at all. That's that's uh, that's a later yeah, conversation. No, yeah. Let's talk about the the uh, college football this week. Uh, we'll get the NFL stuff with Jim uh, coming up here at nine thirty. Both in-state schools got wins. Uh, Oklahoma State thirty-four seventeen over Arizona State. The Sooners thirty-three to three against Kent State. Both offenses struggled early, came uh, alive late to lock things up uh man we, we've seen oklahoma state's offense hum in week one against central michigan obviously a step up in competition this week with arizona state uh defensively arizona state's pretty good um and they they kind of had the the cowboys on their heels a little bit but uh, as the game went along uh, osu figured it out and it got enough points uh, to win that game oklahoma on the other hand uh similar but i, I think there's warning signs in norman when you can when you run for nine yards in the first half against Kent State, that's not the offensive line that anybody uh, that roots for the Crimson and Cream thought you might see with all the uh, the preseason hype about those guys getting better, those guys going to be better. Um, man, it didn't look like it on on uh, Saturday night, at least in the first half. They figured things out a little bit in the second half, but uh, all in all, two wins, and dare I say. Well, in Norman, it looks for sure the case that how far the defense, how good the defense could be determines how far the team can go, or is it just kind of getting things lined out with the new offensive coordinator with Jeff Levy? 
I don't know. I the that was a good point. Um, I think that Venables made about the defense in two games giving up what is a total of 13, 16 points now, and it saying that's uh, the less or the least amount they've given up since uh, I don't know four or five years ago. Um, so he's really touting up the defense, and that was a thing I was thinking too. Is like, golly, the the offense looks, you know, very uh, average at best there in the first half, outside of that last drive to, to close out the half. But they only held Kent State to three. When at times it felt like Kent State was going up and down the field, and all of a sudden you look up, it's only three to nothing. Then boom, OU goes on a thirty to nothing run. So, but that that is encouraging defensively. Offensively, the, I don't, I'm with you on Levy. I don't know. It seemed like almost the stubbornness of we're going to continue to hand it off and continue to try to run when the murmurs in the crowd were, why aren't we throwing it downfield? Every time we're throwing it downfield, we're having success. Did we always forget about Mims? And, you know, there's all the, and then finally found Mims. And because it's Kent <laughs> State, if you can't run the ball against Kent State, you're not going to be run the, able to run the ball against anybody else on your, on your dad gum schedule. Well, I understand that. I, I mean, that's, that's concerning. Um, yeah, Gabriel, it, it felt like he could throw it to Mims any play, and there was yardage there. But when Kent State forces you to throw, eesh, it's got to be a little scary. Um, the overall numbers, 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, Major and, and Gray averaged over seven yards a t- uh, per carry. Gray was obviously helped out by that 44-yarder. Um, I'll continue to say that, that it looks like Major's better than Eric Gray, just watching him. Um, he appears to be the better back, but the point is, I don't know if there is. I don't know if there's a really good one anyway. So it almost doesn't even matter um, because you're looking at guys that are just kind of guys until maybe one of those younger ones can can get their feet underneath them and, and start being a, a difference maker. I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can say OU has what you would call a difference maker at running back right now. No, nah, but uh, um, major though. He does. Gray looks like more of a give me the ball, and if he ha- if the if the space is created for him, he's going to hit the hole and and just go. Major, just what I saw, he was really the vision was a little better, making moves, seeing um, um, opportunities. If the hole wasn't there, creating a little bit of space for himself. Um, and that one movie put on that went ahead uh, that turned into a touchdown run was phenomenal. I don't think Gray has that kind of moves in him. He's more of just a get in space and just run as fast as I can guy but yeah they that but both of them just look they're no Ramondre Stevenson or you know big guys like that that we're used to seeing in OU where they just guy after guy after guy so that's got to improve in the future and it should I mean the way re- recruiting has a couple guys coming in we'll see uh around the country uh, Texas is obviously kind of the story of the day even though there was all those upsets in in a game that it, it feels like they're going to get credit for winning, even in, even though it goes in the loss column. Uh, just, but a, a way better performance than I ever would have thought the Horns could muster against Alabama, uh, especially defensively. To hold Bryce Young and that offense down the way that they did for a majority of that game uh, was very, very impressive because we, we, we talk about the struggles of Texas's offense and not finding a quarterback and all that. But the truth is their defense has been horrific over the last decade and most years. Uh, last year, over 200 yards a game on the ground that they gave up, almost 215 in conference games. And then you had that vaunted Alabama offense come into uh, come into Austin 
and they really did a number on, on the on the Alabama offense throughout. Um, you know, there's the there's got to be a lot of talk uh, in Austin, I'm sure, about the the non safety call there, mm. missing the field goal right before halftime. I mean, when you look around at what happened, Texas kicking a couple field goals, missing a field goal, really kind of was the difference in that game. They had that's what all good teams do though, right? If you're Bama, if you don't knock them out. You let them. You give them just a little bit of a, of a glimmer of hope. They run through that. They run through it and, and end up ripping your heart out. And that's what happened on Saturday in Austin. I. It's such a weird feeling when a team that loses feels like they've won, and a team that won feels like they've lost. That's mm-hmm. what happens right there with Alabama and Texas, and in Texas getting some love in the AP poll after a loss, only in Texas. But I. I wonder too. Is it? Uh, or did we see? A, uh, a better defensive line from Texas, or was Alabama offensive line just have a bad day, or is there some real concern there for Nick Saban in the in the Tide? I don't know. We'll have to see some more games before we figure that out. But, you know, sometimes that happens. Texas just is, is inspired. They're at home. You got a guy that's real familiar with Alabama and Sarkeesian, and, and maybe that's a little bit of it too. And Bryce Young just didn't play very well, but because he wasn't, he had to scramble a lot. Didn't get a lot of time, so. A lot of uh, almost like a perfect recipe for Texas to win that game. It just didn't happen. But kudos to Bama for somehow going into that Hornets nest and coming out with a one-point win. Yeah, and another thing that uh, Sam just brought up the text line is a great point as far as the defense of Texas. And you forget who is one of the yeah. analysts. Yeah. It's none other uh, than Gary Patterson. I uh, tell you, former TCU coach. Uh, I was listening to the game. Uh, didn't wasn't able to watch it. I watched the first quarter, but it, I was listening to the game, and I listened to the Texas feed. They know Gary Patterson. They are saying his name a lot. Yeah, if you if you forgot about that part of it, they that, love him now. That'll help. Uh, <laughs> other things, just real quick before we get to Jim. Uh, it was upset Saturday. Four teams favored by at least seventeen and a half lost. Um, two uh, AP top ten teams with that with A and M falling at home to App State. Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman, the first coach in the history of Notre Dame football to be zero and three. Or if they still love him now, they lose to Marshall. Uh, twenty. What was that score? Twenty six, twenty one. Nebraska loses. Scott Frost fired. There's going to be a lot of the talk around uh, centered around that game this week. I think it's ingenious. A lot of people didn't think it would happen until October first because of the buyout. But with big noon Saturday, big noon kickoff, all that going to be centered around the game between Oklahoma and Nebraska. I think it was a genius move by Trev Alberts to get that to 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 quit. That the narrative is not going to be when is Scott Frost going to be fired mm-hmm. throughout that whole two-hour show now. Right. It's going to be looking forward. What's next? You know, it, it'll it almost feel fresh for Nebraska by making yeah. this move right now when they do. And if you're an OU fan and you think, oh well, suddenly that game is going to be an easy win, that that actually scares me because now you got to how do you prepare for him? You you know you knew how to prepare for Scott Frost after based off of last year and the many years before. That and now, you know Nebraska is going to bring everything and anything at OU to try to win that game. It's going to be kind of dicey, I think. It's going to be really scary. It was already going to be a tough game just because of the, the history of it. Yep. But I think you're right. Well, either that or it's just going to be. They got nothing to lose now. I mean, they got. Okay. It's like a fresh start. And the interim coach, like, what are you going to do? Fire me too? Yeah. I mean, you gave me the keys to this thing. That's this right. jalopy. That's exactly <laughs> right. It is the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, what's going on? Nothing. Just a beautiful, beautiful Monday morning. Beautiful Monday morning. 
I mean, the the birds are probably chirping a little louder at your house. The grass is greener. The sky is bluer. Was there ever, has there ever been a better opening weekend just for Jim Traber himself than what we saw yesterday on the NFL gridiron? Well, it could have been better if the Steelers didn't lose T.J. Watt. Yeah. I mean, that that's just crushing. Um, he, he, I mean, if anybody watched that game yesterday, uh, and of course, Many people couldn't because you had to watch Baker Mayfield play a horrific three quarters. But anyway, um, we'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, um, he he dominated that game. I mean, he was unbelievable. And unfortunately, now he's gone all year long. That's really really sad. But um, let me tell you a quick story. So I'm, I'm two, two times a year, maybe three, but. There's a very prominent family that lives in Norman um, who plays a poker tournament. It's a really good tournament. You get about 50, 60 people. It's a really, really nice tournament on a Sunday. And uh, I went down there to play that. And obviously 90% of them are OU fans and 90% of them are Baker Mayfield fans. So on one TV we had the Steelers and on another TV we had Carolina. And I'm telling you, dude, I... I had about a five-minute period where literally I was falling apart. So I get, I get a horrible hand, I get, I get lit up, and I lose a bunch of chips um, on a hand that I probably shouldn't have. At the same time, Carolina goes ahead. At the same time, Cincinnati scores a touchdown. Uh, and basically all they got to do is stick an ex- kick an extra point. And then, fellas, within the next five minutes, some wonderful things happen. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it turned out to be a really good day. So, but yeah, the T.J. Watt thing is really tough, guys, because he is. Well, I mean, he's a defensive player of the year last year, and uh, he he didn't stop again on the in game one. Uh, but this, you know, it was a, yes, it was a very good weekend. And then I certainly don't want to have anybody lose their <laughs> job. But then um, then the the firing of Scott Frost. I got to tell you something, fellas. Um, Fire a dude when you when you can wait literally three weeks and fire him for like seven million dollars less, and you uh, and you do it anyway. That's just wow, embarrassing. So yeah, I got a lot of things to get into today. So where do you want to start? Or we or we could start with your pathetic Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Would you like to do that? I was gonna say after all I almost that, thought we got away. Surely with we're it. gonna get to that. I, I mean, we got away by the way, <laughs> by the way, Mike. Uh, me and Matt Ravis, our fantasy football team. Dak Prescott's our quarterback, and Ceedee Lamb's our yeah. wide receiver. Nice job, pathetic. That was pathetic. I mean, we 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 only needed them to score like twenty or twenty five points, and we and we would have been ahead. Uh, but oh my gosh, what a horrible performance by the Cowboys! Golly, I know Skip Bayless today is talking about the defense and everything like that. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead and talk about your defense, you guys. If 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 Tampa Bay was would have been on time. Uh, they'd have scored thirty points, and it would have been really ugly. But whatever, well, you know, whatever, whatever you want to get into, let's do it. I was I was going to sit here and rant and, and rave about how good Zeke Elliott looked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now I mean, good luck. It, listen, it was a horrible night for the Cowboys way before Dak Prescott broke his thumb, and now. When you look around at, at what's the possibility, I guess Cooper Rush, surely that's not going to be really what it is. So is it Fitzpatrick? Do you try to trade for Jimmy G? Do you bring Cam Newton? None of those are very good solutions to the problem that the Cowboys have. And, th- and that's without talking about the offensive line that's just beat all the shreds and got another injury last night. I do if I'm the Cowboys. I try to trade for the Huntley kid from the Ravens. 
Oh, yeah. I, I think that kid is a really, really good football player. If, if they want to go ahead and stay alive, now Gary will think, oh, we're going to be okay, I'm sure, because he lives in a fantasy land. Um, but uh, I would go, I would try to get him. And let me tell you, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed if I'm a Cowboys fan that you bring in Mason Rudolph. I mean, look, Cooper, Cooper Rush stinks. I mean, he is terrible. And that's a problem when you don't care about your backup quarterback. Jerry, they don't even think about it. But, yeah, there's a couple dudes out there. I don't think they're going to get Garoppolo, especially after the 49ers lost to uh, the right. Bears yesterday. So, um, But I do think that uh, I, I love the Huntley kid. I really do. I don't know if they'll give him up, but I love the kid. Yeah, staying in the NFL, we're hanging out and talking to Jim Traber. Um, boy, howdy. Arizona, a lot of people kind of like them. Kansas City just ran right over them. Yeah, Mahomes. Mahomes tried to prove it, but it doesn't matter. Right up five touchdowns, and um, yeah, they they uh, they look good. Kansas City look good. That division, boy, the Chargers look good. I mean, that 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 division is going to be really really tough. And uh, Arizona, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I got to play. Maybe they should go back to uh, Kyler and say, hey, dude, listen, go back to not watching film, man. Just go ahead, forget that. Forget watching film because he didn't look great. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good thing to do. Go ahead and go back to that. I'll, I'll go back to the AFC North. Then, with the things that happened yesterday, um, did the Steelers have a good chance in this thing? I know with Lamar Jackson and, and his contract dispute and all that stuff, I think there's a – opportunity there where he could play distracted do you think the Steelers have a good chance to win that division well I mean it like I said it really really hurts I don't know you know Nike Harris went out of the game hurt uh Cam Hayward went out of the game hurt I don't know how I hope those guys are gonna be okay but fellas you can't lose the best daggone defensive player in the league and and be okay that defense was dominant yesterday against Cincinnati I mean dominant they made Joe Burrow look like a first-year quarterback so without 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 uh, Watt, it's going to be tough. But I've been trying to tell everybody that I thought they were going to be better. I thought Trubisky was bad, but I don't know. I mean, offensive line can't block anybody. To go on the road and win without offense is pretty impressive. And I uh, I texted Ravis during the game. I said if the Steelers had a good offense, they could win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, they they got a bunch of weapons, and um, but their but their offensive line and their quarterback just isn't up to it. But, look, the Steelers, I don't think the Steelers can win that division, especially without uh, Watt. But I've been telling people for a couple of months that I think they're going to be better than people think. I mean, I said I, I thought they were going to be about 10-7. and seven. And I think you can pick them to win at Cincinnati. So uh, it was one of my picks, though, on six and a half. So, anyway, um, just a, uh, a, a great win, really good win, crazy game. I mean, just a... I mean, with the field goals being missed and everything, it was just psychotic. And uh, but it was, it sure was, uh, it sure was fun to watch him win the game to start the year off. Yeah, Joe Burrow, uh, only the second quarterback in 20 seasons to turn it over four times in the first half of the season season opener. He's in pretty good company, though. That other guy was Josh Allen in 2019 against the Jets. That's two pretty good there quarterbacks go. to have horrific first uh, first halves of the season. Uh, you, Absolutely. You, you mentioned Scott Frost in Nebraska. Uh, a bunch of upsets on Saturday with A&M and m and also Notre Dame going down, but then you know Nebraska loses to Georgia Southern, and you're right that 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 buyout goes from what fifteen million to seven and a half at October first. 
they go ahead and and make the make the change now. I told Jared earlier. I think it's I think it's genius because of what's coming up on Saturday. The the only time Nebraska is going to be in front of the nation with the the big noon kickoff and all that surrounding it, instead of the whole pregame show being about Scott Frost losing his job October first, essentially. Now they get to, now the narrative is going to be able to be well. What's you know looking forward Nebraska's history, blah blah blah. I think it was smart of Trevor Alberts to do it right now because he's got about a forty million dollar commercial on Saturday instead of worrying about the seven and a half it saves him later on. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean that's an interesting point. Um, I think that you know it, it shows to me, fellas, is, is that the players didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's what this shows me. I mean, for you to get rid of this guy three games into the season before your biggest game, basically I think what they're saying is is that we get rid of this guy and then maybe the team will take a deep breath and play well on Saturday. But um, I just – I wonder, do you think that those – do you think those Nebraska fans, do you think any of them are going to call me or text me today? Do <laughs> you think any of them will say anything? I mean, because remember now, I got the text, I'm a season ticket holder and – uh, there is absolutely nothing can happen this year that will make Scott Frost not be the coach at the University of Nebraska. Really, nothing, huh? How about three games and he's out? The program is an embarrassment. It just is. Um, I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know what they should do next. Somebody asked me yesterday, should they hire Mike Leach? I was like, please. I mean, there is no way that they would hire Mike Leach. I don't know what direction they'll go in, but... They're in bad shape. That's that's the fact of the matter. And um, they they can obviously make things a little better by winning on Saturday. And I'm not saying they can't. I mean, you know, this isn't a game where they go, you just laser helmet on the field. But their program is in big trouble. And I will say this. When I heard that he got fired, I wasn't shocked. But I was a little surprised. I didn't think they were going to do it yesterday. But when you lose to Georgia Southern, I gave that stat. Was it you, Skinny? Somebody gave me the stat yesterday. This is the first time since the year I was born, okay? The year I was born, 1961. It is the first time that um, OU has played Nebraska with a losing record. Oh, my God. Is that yeah. incredible? I heard that, yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Any chance that I mean, they – you think there's any chance they call Lincoln Riley to distract him this season <laughs> like they did? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't know. who. Where, who, where do you think they go? Oh, uh, to me, they go to one guy and, and until he it, – it's Matt Campbell. Hmm. Think so? I think that's the guy that you have – he's a Big Ten type of guy at Iowa State, and, and he's a guy that he just seems to – because and it's funny because Nebraska fans, you mentioned that name, or you see it online, and they, they think they're above above that. Really? Iowa State has yeah, been way better than Nebraska yeah. <laughs> lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Matt Campbell is is the guy, unless you want to take the home run swing at Urban Meyer. But after what what happened last year with him, or you know, where is he at uh, as, as far as in life, much less the profession? But it, for me, it's Matt Campbell, and make him say no over and over and over to you know he gets tired of telling you no and finally says yes. It's interesting because if there are Nebraska fans out there that think that Matt Campbell is beneath them, then boy, they need to come into 2022, yeah. whatever year it is. I can't even remember what year it is. Um, yeah, Matt Campbell would be, a, I think, a good hire. Of course, his star went down a little bit last year. But, I mean, his star went down because obviously they were overrated. Mm-hmm. Last year. When those two teams played, boy. 
But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I would say that uh, Matt Campbell would be a really good hire. Of course, you know, it's messed up because are they going to start talk, trying to talk to agents during the season? I don't know. But Nebraska is in trouble. Their program is in big, big trouble. Reminds me a little bit of OU. I don't think that Nebraska can turn around that fast because I just don't think people want to go there anymore, guys. I mean, I don't, there aren't people out there clamoring to go to, to, to the kids that are being recruited now. They don't even remember Nebraska being good, right? They they think OSU is uh, better than Nebraska. So we'll see. They're in trouble. They're in trouble, but there'll be a little bit of a caged dog, I guess, on Saturday. So oh, you better be ready. You better play like the second half instead of the first half. Yeah, well, let's go there. Let's talk about the OU game. What uh, caught a lot of your post game on the way home yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday. The first half, uh, second half, okay. Uh, I was saying I don't know why Levy was so um, I don't know stubborn and trying to to prove a point that they could run the football. And Aaron, I made a good point. Like if you can't run the football against Kent, Kent State, then that's concerning. What what were your thoughts overall? Well, I agree it's concerning, but that game was so obvious to me, fellas. They watched Washington run on them. They watched film all week, and they basically said, we're going to run all over these guys. We're going to run right at them. We're going to see what our – we want to get all three of our running backs in there. We want to see who looks good, you know, because we're getting ready to play some big boys. And they forgot to block people. I mean, that, that was so evident of what their plan was, that they were going to go out there and run on this team. And then they just kept, well, if it didn't work this series, it'll work next series. Well, it'll work next year. It'll work next year. Finally, at the end of the first half, they said, this is ridiculous. Let's just go play. And then they gave the ball to their best player. I don't understand why it is that, you know, someone like me, some stupid dude like me can see that you got to give the ball to uh, Mims, right? right? Marvin Mims is the best player on their team. So... They went ahead and did it. They scored at the end of the first half, and then, of course, the second half was uh, domination. Um, and then Kent State, you know, we thought they were going to throw the ball. Of course, they run it all over the field. Boy, that first half, was that the fastest first half you've ever seen? Yeah. yeah. You know, i got to tell everybody, I'll tell everybody a little secret. Um, love to watch football. But when you have to do a post-game show that ends, you know, at midnight and then drive all the way back to Edmond and go to bed at, like, 1.30 in the morning, you want the game to go as fast as possible. I'm just telling y'all, don't take it the wrong way. I want the game. If the game lasted 30 minutes, I would be happy. And after the first half, I didn't want to jinx it, but I thought, wow, man, this was great. I got home about 45 minutes earlier than I thought I would. Um, but, yeah, great uh, great first half as far as timing, terrible football, and then they figured it out. So, you know, I mean, look, I, I think there's a red flag. I think there is a red flag with this offensive line. I mean, I don't like to beat up on specific people, but, you know, Anton Harrison is supposed to be a first- or second-round pick, dude, and I just continue for three years. I just watch people beat him. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm losing my mind, but that's what I see. So um, we'll, we'll see. This is going to be uh, – you hope that they can go up there and run on Nebraska. Georgia Southern ran on them, right? Yeah, and Stillwater, um, Oklahoma State defensively was really good in the first half. We got the 17-3 lead at halftime with a good second quarter. And then got a little hairy 
uh, but the the Pokes put it away in the fourth quarter with two touchdowns, win 34-17. Spencer Sanders, not as good as he was the first game, but two touchdowns, uh, only one interception, and Dominic Richardson ran it for 131 in a touchdown in a win on Saturday. What did you think about the Oklahoma State game against Arizona State? I thought that uh, the offensive game plan was horrible. I mean, sometimes Casey Dunn decides to do this. I don't know why. Maybe that maybe they thought the same thing as OU. Maybe they watched Arizona State, thought they could run on OU. But I mean, I just I first down, hand the ball up the middle, second and ten, and then you know Spencer Sanders do a terrible interception again. I mean, I don't know how he doesn't see that guy, but he did it. But then they came back and played well. So, you know, the two games were a little bit similar, really. Right. Um, you know, the beginning that started off, and then both of them ended up away. But that's a good win. I mean, Arizona State's a div- – I mean, they're they're a big league team. I mean, they're not a superstar team, but they're – they're uh, you know, they're a uh, – uh, going to be a star. I love I – mean, listen, Dominic Richardson is just a good, tough, solid football player. You know what he is? That's what he is. And you can win with a guy like that. You know, but he's not a star. I think Ollie Gordon's a star. Got to see him a little bit. Interesting that they played him a little bit with the game close. So that means, obviously, that they really like him. Kind of like the Barnes kid down there in OU. I think we have two young uh, freshman running backs that are going to both be great players when it's all said and done. But, uh, yeah, good win. I mean, a really good win for uh, OSU. I thought their defense played a lot better. Now they play a horrible team, and then they get ready for the Big 12. So, uh Good, uh, good stuff up there. Good, good win. Uh, Texas, better than most thought uh, against Alabama. You can really make the case they should have won the football game. Um, their defense, which is kind of – everybody's been worried about their quarterback for years. Their defense has been horrible as well. They played great and, and had Alabama on the ropes, just couldn't put them away. What was your takeaway from, from Texas uh, and Alabama? Well, first of all, if you're an OU fan, you better hope that Ewers doesn't play and be healthy because he is he is a uh, future su- superstar, guys. Uh, I love what he's about. Um, but Carr did a nice job, you know, on one leg. Uh, got him got him to uh, stay in the game. Just you know, they just don't know how to win, guys. That that's a game that if well, if Ewers if Ewers uh, stays in the game, I think they do win. But they. Um, they did a great job. I mean, if I'm a Texas fan today, I'm upset they, I, they didn't win, but I'm, I'm in extremely happy that they look better, you know? Now, I was reminded during the game, somebody texted me and said, don't forget a couple of years ago that they played LSU really, really tough. And by the way, that's one of the best teams of all time in college football. They played them really, really tough. And they ended up, I think, 7-5. and five. So can they continue on that? We'll see. Um, they got a couple really good wide receivers. They got a great running back. A couple of those freshman offensive linemen, I thought, did a really nice job. So, they're, I think they're kind of going in the right direction. They are. I mean, I, I bet them under nine, so I needed them to lose that game. Uh, but I think that my bet's probably uh, about right. Probably, I think they're probably going to be about nine and three, more than likely. But they got a chance to be better than they've been. So, if you're no, if you're a Texas fan, that's a good thing. Now, again, a lot of football left. So you got to keep on going. You know, sometimes you get fired up for one huge game, and then you forget about that you got to play other games. That's where they are right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think Ewers, you made a great point. I mean, he lit up that Alabama secondary like few have uh, for a quarter in Nick Saban's tenure. Uh, you, just, you you hope to see him back, and, and it looks like the, the first chance is going to be 
in the Cotton Bowl uh, from all the reports out there is that w- would be the yeah. the best case scenario I think uh, for Texas I talked, right you know now. What, Skinny, I talked to a guy who's had this exact same injury, and what he told me was, after a couple weeks, it's all about your pain uh, mm-hmm. pain threshold. So uh, you got to shoot him up and play him. I'm sorry, I don't care if he's eight. Somebody said early eighteen. I don't care how old he is. Shooting somebody up doesn't affect anything. Um, they got to have him against OU because I don't think they're beating OU with card, but I think they got a chance with him. He's. I don't, do you guys agree with me? He looks like the real deal. Oh, 100%. I, I, I was thinking just watching, we were playing golf in a tournament on Saturday, had it on and as we were going. My first thought was, okay, let's see, he's going to be there at least next year and maybe the year after. What does this do with the Arch Manning? recruitment does he want to go down there and have to battle it out against that guy when he can go somewhere else maybe and have an easier road to, to be in the starter yeah yeah no you're right i mean arch manning's got to be watching um and we'll see when he comes back what happens but maybe look good wow he looked good now fellas it's interesting we've talked the whole time i really would like to get your thoughts here on uh how do you look at baker mayfield's performance he, he was an absolute dog for three quarters and then he has a dude that runs wide open for a 75-yard touchdown, and I'm hearing people like Skip Bayless say how, played, how great he played in the fourth quarter. I mean, what? tell me what I should say on the radio today, guys. Please help me. What should I say? You know what it reminded me of? Except for what? they lost. It reminded me of his first real game when Oklahoma went to Tennessee in 2015. Oh, okay. And he was absolute. that offense was absolutely horrible. Lincoln Riley's first showcase game as the offensive coordinator – and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he made a couple of plays, and he, it almost felt like he, he won the team over that night in Knoxville. That's what it reminded me of, except for the fact that uh, they almost played for a game-winning field goal, left too much time on the clock, and Jacoby Brissett made enough plays to, to get it done with a long field goal. That's, it reminded me yeah, of that, that Tennessee game. I'm going to bring that up. A lot of people don't, uh, lot of people don't realize that uh, – Carolina's defense is horrible. I mean, they just think that Baker Mayfield, by the way, it's unbelievable. I told those people at the poker tournament yesterday, because they were like dealers, like there was this girl, this girl that's a dealer, you know, for mm-hmm. the for the poker tournament. And she's just standing there like uh, when she had a break, she used to say every, every play in the Carolina game, she's like, oh, oh. And I just looked at everybody in there and I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Who are you all going to cheer for next year? You're going to just, whoever Baker Mayfield, wherever he goes? I mean, you're going to have a closet full of jerseys. <laughs> Look, here's the fact of the matter yesterday. Uh, he threw two good passes, and he was horrible. And I mean, ho- he couldn't hold on to the ball. How many times did he fumble? Three times? Yeah. You know, not losing fumbles, mm-hmm. but he fumbled all over the place. Um, I thought he was terrible. He had a guy wide open for a touchdown that I said to the people at the, at the poker tournament, I said, if you're a professional quarterback, then you should be able to make that throw. You know, they lower the bar. Everybody lowers the bar for Baker Mayfield. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. he threw for 235 yards, and 125 of them were on two passes. You guys realize that? Two passes was 125 yards, and then the rest was 100 yards. So, I don't know, man. He, uh, he didn't look real good for me. Um, they, they end up losing the game. He did, he did come from behind at the end, so I'll give him some credit. But um, I don't know. There'll be excuses, I'm sure. My man Ravens will be telling me that something, something <laughs> happened. I guess, 
I guess they're crying about a commercial. I mean, not, excuse me. They're crying about a call that wasn't made or wasn't made, right? Is that what, what's happening? I was trying to read that rule. Yeah, there was the, the spike there at the end where the the official even said it was a fake spike than a real spike, and apparently that's supposed to be intentional grounding um, against the rules to fake spike it and then spike it. You can fake spike it and then you'll throw a touch, and we've seen that in the past uh, where, where you kind of catch the people off guard. Uh, but with the fake spike and then going ahead and spiking it, it's supposed to be intentional grounding. But here's the truth. It still just backs them up. Uh, that that kick was going to be good from 80 yards, <laughs> the way uh, that you, York you know, kicked it through there. I mean, it's just – I, I think if you're yeah, gonna, if you're going to gripe about the officials, uh, the call before that on the uh, on the intent or the uh, roughing the passer was way more egregious than some kind of there's some rule that nobody knows. Yeah, I think the roughing the passer call probably was a bad one, but I will say this: the last thing I'm going to say to you guys before I go, the kickers in the NFL are becoming ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, these dudes are unbelievable. I know, in, I know, in the Pittsburgh game there were some some missed uh, deals. But like for instance, the field goal that uh, that Bosley missed, Boswell missed for the Steelers, who hit the upright. That was from what was it, fifty-six yards, I think. Dude, that's good from seventy. Yeah. I mean, I, and then the fifty-nine yarder that the dude from the Bengals hit, that's good from seventy-five. I mean, what is going on? I'm telling you, there's going to come a day. I don't know when it is, but a team's going to line up from about seventy-five yards, and someone's going to make it. It's incredible these kickers. I. And then their accuracy is just psychotic. I know the kickers are becoming crazy, but the day was Steelers lost, Baker Mayfield. I mean, the Steelers won, Baker Mayfield lost. It looked like it was going to be the opposite. And um, I, uh, I'm a happy man. I got my grandbaby playing with the truck that I gave him on the ground right now. My wife is staring at me like, get off the phone. So <laughs> everything's good. Hey, re- last How about thing. this weather? She, she just got mad at me. She wasn't, she wasn't staring at me like uh, that. No, listen, the weather has been awesome. Last question, real quick. Albert Pujols yeah. goes past A-Rod oh, into yeah. fourth all-time. I really hope he gets to 700 before the end of the season just so that he doesn't have to come back to try to I get know. two home runs next year. I just think it's amazing that he's still doing it. I mean, you know, he hasn't. He, the last couple of years, he hasn't been that good. But I think that um, he, look, he's one of the best hitters we've seen. I do think he's about three years older than mm-hmm. he says he is. Yeah, that's I, what's I've even, said that for twenty yeah. years. Well, yeah, he may be fifty and he's still hitting home runs. Yeah, no, that you're right. That makes it even more amazing how old he is. But uh, yeah, that's really cool. And I, I got to see his very first series, dude, with the Cardinals. Um, you know, when I was with the Diamondbacks, his very first series. And I remember I called Mark Rogers on the phone. I said, dude, pick this guy up in your fantasy league because he's going to be a superstar. So I guess I, I've been right on a lot of things lately. Huh? Scott <laughs> Frost and that. It's nice. Hey, what, nice stuff. What, uh, what's on the podcast this week? The podcast. Julie was on the podcast this week. Help me out again. I, I'm sorry, dude. I can barely remember what I'm talking Just about. Just put her on the phone. Put her on. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, come on, they want to talk to you. Come here. Hurry up. Hurry up. Come on. Talk to them. Here she is. Here's Julie. Hi, guys. Hey, good morning. How are you, Julie? Oh, this is a treat. I'm wonderful. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing good. We can't wait to see Jim tomorrow for lunch because he has to come out to Sayre. So that's going to be a lot I of fun. No, he was trying to talk me into coming with him, and I would love to meet you guys in person, but I have a dreaded doctor's appointment tomorrow. Oh, no. Uh, well, they need to push the push the Sarah trip back to Thursday or something. That way you can come with it. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, we don't we don't even remember what the podcast is about. But it's going to be good. It's a it'll be a surprise for all of us. 
we we recorded it early last week, and so then, gosh, what was it about? I don't. I'm having a total brain fart. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. But but yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get online and check it out this afternoon and see what it's about. I will do the same. All right. Hey, <laughs> hey thanks for joining. By the way, you and I share yes. a birthday, November the 18th. Isn't that wild? Wow. Another Scorpio. <laughs> That's right. I love it. All right, you guys have, have a <laughs> great right, day. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks. <laughs> you bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, all right, fellas. Um, I'll see you out there tomorrow, right? We're going to lunch tomorrow Absolutely. out there in Elk City? Absolutely. Where are we going? Uh, we're kind of running out of spots. Do you have a favorite that we've been to so far? I, I like I like both places that we went to. So we can go to the place across from you, or we can go out there and have that barbecue, whatever you guys want. You all decide. Okay. Well, but I'll be, out, I'll be out in Elk City 1130, and then I'll be there tomorrow doing my show at Rob's Ranch. All right, yeah, awesome. well, uh, I'll text you later and let you know where to meet us. Okay, sounds good, All fellas. Right. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Jim. Have a good Jim. day. All right, see you. Bye-bye. The yeah. ultimate Jim Traber joining us here on a Monday. And can I say I'm a little disappointed Julie can't come? A special guest with, with Julie. Yeah. Good stuff. Always good stuff. It was. I meant to ask him what he thought about the light show at Norman. Because I have two theories about There's that. There's been a lot of good... I got two theories about that. I'll have to tell you about it. We'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. Look ahead to the high school football weekend. That's our, our Friday night as well. All kinds of stuff with, with the pros, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Everybody have a great Monday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.